freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Getting, Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports Station. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio. Where's like, the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. Salt Show here on Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com, Seattle Sports app, oh, podcast platforms, you name it, we're everywhere, and uh, whew, thank God for that. It's a good thing we are. Got to be able to reach you wherever you happen to be. Morning, noon, night, whenever. A lot going on today. Stalker vibes. The what? It's giving stalker vibes. I thought you said soccer vibes. <laughs> stalker vibes, sad, I didn't want that. I thought I was rolling around on the ground pretending to be in pain. Ah, my leg! Soccer vibe. Oh, don't take shots at the soccer fans already. All right. It's too early for that? Yeah. The soccer fans don't wake up this early. I in trouble last time for saying that. Remember all the podcasters who were listening overnight? I know, yeah. They got got pretty upset about it. Um, I'm sure the soccer fans will now as well. Something tells me the soccer fans are already a little upset with me. I don't don't know that it takes like... I don't think you're their favorite. I don't think this is the thing that pushed it over the top or anything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, today's a weird day. We're, we're going to, we'll have Jerry DePoto, of course, but, um, the story of the day, unfortunately, is the continued fall from grace of Russell Wilson. And I saw this story yesterday, a guy named Jason Wolf, who, uh, I did a little research on and ended up chatting with last night. He, uh, writes for the Arizona Republic. Uh, so he's in Phoenix, writes for the Arizona Republic, and they are owned by the same company as USA Today. So when he did this uh, report through his paper, it also got picked up by USA Today. And then Yahoo has some sort of a deal with USA Today. And so they run some of the stuff that's behind the paywall for free. And so that's how it ended up kind of getting out there and all over yesterday. Uh, He's going to join us at 730 this morning. So I I would definitely recommend tuning in to hear some of the details here of what's going on with Russell Wilson and his charity. Um, Let me give you a little context and we'll get to the story. The context is he was doing a report on Walter Payton Award winners, right? The uh, supposed most prestigious award the NFL gives out and all of these guys who have, excuse me, won it for doing a lot of really great things in their community. J.J. Watt, Russell Wilson, Peanut Tillman, Calais Campbell, the list kind of goes on and on of these guys who've, you know, really uh, Whitworth last year, right? These guys who have done some really incredible things and, and tried to do good. And it's sort of an expose style of like, well, these charities don't do everything that they're cracked up to. And I would not say that he's necessarily blaming the players outright. He's kind of saying, look, it's hard. You're a player. You want to do something good. Who do you turn to? There's a lot of bad actors out there who are skimming off the top, giving you bad advice. He goes through this one company that... You know, really, uh, you know, had kind of a stranglehold on it for a while that seemed like it was up to a lot of dirty tricks. And I I think there's a level of sympathy for these players in general that they want to do something good and it's not going necessarily the way they want it to. And the NFL, unsurprisingly, is like, "Uh, not our problem, which is sort of what the NFL does. Yeah. Russell's a little different. And when you read through this is the Russell story, which is part two of this five part series. He goes in a little harder on Russ, and he kind of has a few different allegations about Russ's Russ's foundation. 
the biggest is that they don't give away nearly as much money as they should. It's like 28 cents on the dollar, which is not a very good number considering, uh, you know, all of the money that goes elsewhere to some of it is to marketing, but a lot of it is to the salaries of the people that run the foundation who are making double roughly what they should be making based on what other people make. Is that more because they live in Seattle? Maybe. But again, it, it, it's not a good look. The second accusation, and I'm not going to fully understand this. Hopefully he'll explain it a little bit better when he comes on at 730, has to do with the head of the foundation, a high school buddy of Russ's, who is also working for Russ's business operation, and that's a no-no. There should be a hard stop line between those two, and that was broken. Is it illegal? Probably not. Was it malicious? Is he tax sheltering? Again, probably not is my opinion after reading it. Uh, that's not an expert opinion. That's just my gut feeling after reading it and, and et cetera. Is it a bad look? Very, 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 very. And it's something that he could have a problem with the IRS. Probably not the, probably not going to jail type of problem, but like, uh, Hey, you're going to owe some back taxes kind of problem. Okay. The third, and, and this is the one that for whatever reason, kind of, you know, felt big to me is that Russ, is essentially exaggerating the contributions that his foundation is making. Right? There's a check quite, quite that a bit. Right, there's a check that he gives for 2.6 million dollars to Seattle Children's Hospital. It's right, one of the big checks, right? That Justin and his buddies like to carry around so the people look at them wherever they go. So he's carrying around one I'm of just these big It's a great party problem. I'm just saying a look at me check of 2.6 million dollars <laughs> which he presents to the Children's Hospital with the Why Not You Foundation donated 78000 Hmm. Do I think that he did this wrong on purpose? No. I think there's a way that his charity, they can sort of, you know, fudge the accounting so that they can argue that they were responsible for $2.6 million being donated. But well, they- Jason Wolf goes through it and basically shows that that's malarkey. And to me, that's the crux of the Russell issue. That's Dr. Steve Shin. That's the that's the same guy who wasn't content just coming back from a finger injury. He had to be the best ever at coming back from a finger injury. Well, now you're not just content going to Children's Hospital every week. You're not just content raising money for them. You got to have raised the most amount of money for them. And that's great until it's not true. And we can laugh at it when it's Dr. Steve Shin and his stupid finger story because it's obviously ridiculous and no one's really hurt by it or affected by it other than the fact that we get to laugh at Russell Wilson for sort of having an inflated opinion of himself and exaggerating his claims. It's a case of hyperbole, but it's fairly innocent. Problem Russ has, and this is what I wrote about, and if you have a few minutes, uh, I hope you'll read my column at seattlesports.com. This becomes more now of a tragic flaw. His exaggeration when it comes to his finger, not such a big deal. His exaggeration when it comes to how much money you're giving to charity, much bigger deal. Especially when coupled with the first two problems that we've already talked about. It's a really bad look for Russell Wilson. More, you said it this morning as we were chatting. This is one of the all-time quickest and most severe falls from grace that we've ever seen without, like, O.J. Simpson-style murder. Well, and just from every aspect, on the field and off the field. It's a disaster. It's a total and complete disaster for Russ. 
He has been embarrassed at every single part of his life virtually. I'm, I mean, like, I don't know what's left other than his wife leaving him. I don't know what else could sort of happen to Russ in a different part of his life to go awry. The football was a disaster. His name was dragged through the mud. The entire league made fun of him for being corny. Coaches didn't want to come coach him because he's such a problem, right? His team got out that teammates don't exactly think he's the best teammate. Current and and past, right? I mean, like it's been a complete mess for his reputation, all because he won wasn't satisfied because he wanted it exaggerated. Hey, Rush, you're a really good player, but I want to be the best player ever. Well, okay. Right. I mean, it's so funny. I, I was thinking about this for a while last night. I spent a lot of time thinking about this story and we are always told to reach for more. Right. We're always told to want more, to go for more. And we certainly praise the athletes who try to go for the most. Right. This guy wants to be the best. He's never satisfied. He's and, and I think it's a worthy thing to praise. Right. Hard work, dedication. First in the gym, last to leave. Right. I mean, all of those things are 100 percent things that we that we praise for good reason. But when it becomes an obsession, as it seems to have been for us, and you're willing to go so far to be the best that you're not satisfied with who you actually are. It becomes more tragic, right? Russell Wilson had a fantastic 10-year career. And if he wanted to just keep doing it, he was going to be a Hall of Famer. He wasn't going to be Tom Brady, right? He wasn't going to have some of Drew Brees' records. He wasn't going to be Peyton Manning. He wasn't going to be out there as one of the absolute best of all time. But he was going to be a Hall of Famer. He's going to have one of those gold jackets that's so meaningful to so many people and for good reason. And because he wanted more than that, because that wasn't enough, because he thought he could be even more, well, he may have lost it all. It's like Daedalus and Icarus, for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just tumbling because he tried to get too close to the sun. And this is another example of it, and it's a mess for him. So we'll be talking about it throughout the day. I encourage you to read the actual story. Quite frankly, I encourage you to go to Arizona uh, to Arizona Central, AZ Central, I think it is, and read Jason Wolf's five-part series because that in and of itself is fascinating, forgetting about just the rust part of it. He'll join us at 7.30. We'll talk through all of it. Jerry DePoto at 8.30, and I'll give you everything you need to know next. It is Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, the rough, rough year for Russell Wilson certainly took another dark turn yesterday. USA Today, Arizona Republic both releasing a report after investigating his charity foundation. What they found? Not good. Uh, Fewer than half of the donations went to the actual charitable causes. It's kind of closer to 28%, exceptionally low. It also sounds like the foundation repeatedly embellished and exaggerated its impact, claiming to donate more money than they actually did. Uh, There's other allegations in there as well. Look, do I think Russ did anything knowingly criminal? No, I don't. Morally wrong? Maybe, although I'm still not entirely convinced of that. I got a hard time really criticizing somebody that's 
put a premium on charitable acts and has made that a big part of his life. But I do think it tarnishes his reputation even further. And more than anything, it continues what has become an incredibly familiar pattern of exaggeration and hyperbole. There's just no need for it. Dude, you hurt your finger. It doesn't need to be the worst injury ever. Okay? And in this case, it's you're giving money to charity. You don't have to pretend that you're giving more than you're actually donating. Just be satisfied with doing good. Be satisfied with what you've actually done rather than trying to pretend that you actually did more than that. There's no need for it. And it's sad the way this thing has happened now to Russell Wilson, a guy that all of us loved watching, all of us loved rooting for. Were there some question marks along the way? Yes. Were there some signs that we probably should have recognized? Apparently now in looking at it, there really were. But I got to tell you, I never saw all of this coming. I'd even heard some of the rumblings over the years that maybe some of the you know stuff at Children's Hospital was a little more of a little more of a uh, a show than it was a reality. But you know what? Kind of didn't think that much of it because I think those are people taking shots, this, that, and the other. But now everything kind of gets called into question. It's really sad to have watched it all go this way. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, about a week after reports first surfaced, the Mariners did make it official yesterday. Three-year deal for Dylan Moore. Going to be worth uh, right around $9 million. It avoids two years of arbitration, buys out one year of free agency. And really good value for a player that I think is going to get some significant playing time against lefties this year, both second and shortstop. I think he might even be a little bit more valuable now than he's been just based on the rule changes. He can steal bases. He can play the outfield. All of that seems to be worth $3 million a year, um, especially now that speed should be at even more of a premium. Meanwhile, Mariners continuing to work on improving the Soto neighborhood. Uh, this time, they announced the opening of the Box Yard, uh, which is that big building that also contains Hatback and Steelhead, kind of behind where Pyramid Brewing used to be. So it's now going to include a large baseball and softball training facility, which is awesome, as well as Victory Hall, which is going to be a 9,500-square-foot event space. It looks beautiful what they're doing down there, and uh, everything from weddings and bar mitzvahs to pregames, you name it, um, just more opportunities for the community to engage with baseball and softball and obviously a large space to gather before and after games. Here's the third thing you need to know. Kraken will get back to it tonight in New Jersey. They've fallen back into second place as they've been largely inactive and haven't notched the point in essentially two weeks. Also, we'll see if Andre Burakovsky can return as well. Big trades in the NBA yesterday. Uh, Lakers dealt away Russell Westbrook, got back to Angela Russell to play the point. And then the Suns dealt for Kevin Durant. Here's Adrian Wojnarowski. The Suns were looking at some other trades out in the marketplace, but what got it done... Mikel Bridges in this deal, four unprotected first-round picks, a pick swap, all going back uh, to the Nets uh, for Kevin Durant. And uh, just a remarkable, uh, remarkable deal for the Suns. Now they pair Kevin Durant with uh, Devin Booker and certainly Chris Paul. And this is a team uh, in the desert that certainly is going to have some immediate championship aspirations and uh, finally the Brooklyn Nets that great experiment Kevin Durant Kyrie Irving uh, James Harden it is finally over well it certainly is all three guys have now been dealt in the span of a year there you go that's everything you need to know we do that quarter past every hour here on the new Brock and Salk show happy pizza day Salk happy what national pizza day is that today that's today you know what? I think I actually knew that. We're supposed to do some sort of a pizza fundraiser for uh, the kids' school tonight. Hmm. Yeah. 
So All I guess right. I'll have to have pizza. Yes, what are you going to you do? You're going to. I mean, if I have to do it, uh, I'm perfectly willing to. How do you feel about, what do you do with pizza after? So you have. Air fryer. Yeah, hold on. I'm not, I'm not there yet. <laughs> Just chill, bro. You're, you're leaping to, to, the, to the end here. So you go, you get pizza, you go to Pagliacci or whatever. You get, you get your pizza. Yeah. And you get two large pizzas and you guys eat what you eat and you end up with like half a pizza left. What do you do with it? You put it in the fridge, you leave it on the counter. Oh, oh, you bring it home. You're not talking about when you're at the restaurant. Uh, no, I mean you get yeah. takeout or, or oh, delivery. Oh, I let it fully, fully cool before I uh, do anything to it. Okay, but it do you fridge. eventually put yes, it in the, fridge? In the fridge? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Only, only if it's you leave it out overnight. Yeah, air, air oh. tight Ziploc too. Like really? I get all the air out of the bag and everything. I just leave it out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the cheese has all been cooked and stuff. Like it does. It's not like milk where it rots. Like I get you, it. You, you can leave it out. So I've been leaving it out over the last few years, and I, I think it tastes better when you reheat it. Okay. I can't prove that, but I think that. You don't do any cover of any kind, just in case. I leave it in the box. Fly. Oh, in the box. Then fine. I would, I would say that's completely fine. Yeah, I just leave it in the box. No, it's not out for, like, the flies and whatnot. Sure. I thought you meant, like, on a plane. Not that my house has a lot of flies. I don't know. Let's not get carried away. But but <laughs> I leave it out. floating around in there and stuff. Who knows? <laughs> right. No, I just leave it out in the box on the counter. Okay. But, like, no meat on it, right? That meat's cooked. Yeah, I would Yeah, be but you're still not it. supposed to just leave it at room temp for... For a day? Totally fine. 100% totally <laughs> fine. Been sick, so it must be fine. Yeah, it's never, never been. Now, for a week, of course. I mean, but how often does leftover pizza go more than one day? Like, and first of all, I'm probably eating that thing for breakfast if it's sitting out there. And I'm definitely eating it for lunch oh, or dinner. If it's the a next weekend, day. it gets gone at three in the morning, too. Absolutely. But uh, are you a uh, cast iron reheat or air fryer reheat or microwave? I mean, reheat? just, uh, I've been just going with a, um, with the, uh, on the stove, I reheat on the, um, just a uh, nonstick. Okay. Yeah. Cast iron, that's a lot of, you got to go pick, that thing's heavy, you got to go drag it out from wherever you keep it, <laughs> right? Like, it's probably not with all your other pans, and then you're not supposed to wash it, right? You got to clean it without washing it. So I just use a nonstick, but it it crisps right up. Yeah. Okay. So you go, you go. Uh, Almost always air fryer. Air fryer, huh? Yeah. Hmm. Or put like a little cup of water in the microwave with the pizza. So it Yeah, I'm out on the microwave. I, I'd rather eat a cold than eat with, through the microwave. That's that's terrible. Microwaving cold pizza is disgusting. I would just rather eat a cold, which, by the way, I, is not a problem. For my birthday, I used to get pizza and let it go cold before eating it because I liked cold pizza more than I liked hot pizza when I was a kid. Did you mention let it go? Is that because you saw, like I did, that Frozen, Frozen 3, 3 is in the works? Oh, how oh, excited yeah. are you? Do I or do I not follow the woman, Kristen Lopez Anderson, who uh, wrote all the music for Frozen 1 and 2? I do follow her <laughs> and found out yesterday that she's hard at work on Frozen 3. And you know what? I couldn't be happier about it. <laughs> KJ Wright uh, has some interesting thoughts on Geno Smith. In fact, they're quite positive. You may want to listen to it. It's coming up next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports Station. All right, KJ Wright's going to join us in just a minute. And then uh, 9, 9 o'clock. We'll go through the darkness retreat with Aaron Rodgers. There's a lot to get to there. More found some really great information on what's going on. Uh, I also, Brock, we barely had a chance to talk today about this uh, Sean Payton story, uh, which comes from Terry Bradshaw. Did you catch any of this? So they were they were uh, you know coworkers, peers at at Fox this past year. Oh, together. I watched them. I watched him at the and, seminar and have a couple beers together. Terry yeah. basically comes out yesterday and is like, oh, yeah, he doesn't want to work with Russ. Um, and uh, we would talk and he would talk and talk and talk. And was a, I'd say, well, you can't go to Charlotte. Yeah. That's the NFC South. 
you can't go to Houston. They don't have a quarterback down there. You don't want to be in Houston. Uh, where else could he have gone? Where, where, Arizona. Arizona, no, mm. no, that quarterback. He don't want to work with that yeah. quarterback. But he'd rather work with Russ? Uh, I don't think so. But <laughs> <laughs> Ah, you know what? That's all he's got. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's got no choice. But I'll tell you one thing. Yeah. He'll get the most out of him. <laughs> Do you think that's Terry's opinion? Or is that Peyton's opinion? Oh, I, I think that that was a lot of folks' opinions around wow. there. And that's why you heard a bunch of speculation. I think even Stink said it. Slareth with, uh, on the Tuesday Yeesh. with the afternoon guys that, yeah, it's looking like Sean's going to come back to Fox because, uh, no. I think, I think he might have wanted to wait one more year. Anyway, KJ Wright joins us right now, the host of the KJ Wright show, uh, which is not happening today, but we have him on his regularly scheduled Wednesday anyway. Mm-hmm. Hi, KJ. What's going on, man? How are you? Good morning, fellas. Miss you guys, man. How y'all been? We've been good. We miss you too. We're getting ready for the Super Bowl. How about you? Uh, I'm, well, I'm getting ready to go skiing uh, uh, with my Whoa. son, Whoa. and so um, yeah, looking forward to it. What kind of skier are you? <laughs> I'm about a uh, blue, maybe a tad bit of black, but I like to chill on the blue. And so uh, we went a few weeks ago, and he, he, my son's pretty good, and so I got, I got to be able to hang with him today. When did I you heard. learn to ski? Last year, when he was five. When did you learn to ski? Was, oh, you learned with him? Like 20, <laughs> I was 28 when I learned. <laughs> you were, tw- you were yeah. so you were under contract. You were 28, and you put yourself up on the slopes. That's a really dangerous idea. You took that kind of risk Seriously. on the Seahawks, KJ? It, it, it was not smart at all. I, I swear, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> Who got you skiing for the first time? You guys remember Brock Hoyle? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Montana Lime Mountain Man. Man. Took us to Big Sky, Montana. Uh, Brock Hoyle, myself, Mike Morgan, and um, yeah, he taught us how to ski. So I've been doing it ever since. Oh, that's kind of awesome! Oh, good for you. Well, have fun today. Let's uh, we'll spend a few minutes talking some some football with you before uh, before you get yourself up there. Um, what do you think? Super Bowl, Eagles, Chiefs. What are we expecting? This is going to be a very very fun matchup. And you just look at both of these teams. Both of them were phenomenal all season long, consistent all season long, phenomenal coaches. When I look at this matchup, right, on paper, the Philadelphia Eagles should win this ball game. You got offensive line, defensive line, you got the skilled receivers. But I look at the Chiefs and I look at this offense, I look at Andy Reid, and I don't believe we could put a price tag on the it factor that they have and what Patrick Mahomes has as well. And so I look at this ball game, they're going to have to get creative to slow down this Eagles pass rush. So I have the Chiefs. Winning some way, somehow, the ball is going to be in Patrick Mahomes' hands. With about a minute and something left, he's going to draw the ball down the field, get either a field goal or a touchdown to add another Super Bowl to his resume. KJ, 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 KJ. Come on, man. If we <laughs> all season long we talk, every one of these Wednesdays, we got an hour. Do you know how many sacks Philadelphia had this season, KJ? Do you, do you, do you want to know how many sacks they had this year? 72? S- yeah. Yeah, they had over 70 sacks this year. Do you know how depleted Kansas City is? How beat up they are? Don't you remember that Super Bowl when you lost Jeremy Lane and you lost Cliff? And don't you remember what that was like when you were a a little bit of a beat-up team versus the year before when you were flying high, healthy? You Mm -hmm. couldn't wait to play. Philadelphia can't wait. Philadelphia wanted to play last night. And Kansas City's got to try to get there, man. They try to try to get healthy. Patrick's trying to get healthy. I mean, this this so, 
this line of scrimmage ain't close in this matchup, KJ. So if you know that as Andy Reid and as the play caller, what do you do, Brock? If you know your offensive line can handle this pass, or if you know that it's going to be a struggle, you have got to find creative ways, in particular with Isaiah Pacheco, to get him going. I know that the Chiefs don't want to run the ball. I know that's not their philosophy, but if you know that you are depleted on the offensive line, you have got to find ways to keep this defensive line honest. And so I need them to get him the ball 15 to 20 times a game, get him going, get him with some screens, some draws, because it will be a long day. They think they're just going to pass the ball all day and drop back. It's going to be a long day for Patrick Mahomes. But I trust Andy Reid. He's been down this road before. Watch his game plan that he put together for this thing. Hey, KJ, when you think about the lead up to those two Super Bowls that you played in, I don't mean the game itself or game day, but this week, right? The sort of silly week with the media stuff and all of that. What are your more vivid memories of the lead up to those two Super Bowls? It's a lot. It's a lot for players because it's, it's different than what you're accustomed to. You're just used to your regular routine. You're staying at home. You travel on a Friday, go play, boom, you're there on Sunday. But for these guys, it's been two weeks of a lot, a lot of chaos, a lot of mayhem, a lot of people blowing up your phone, begging for tickets, getting your family situated, pulling you left and right for media. And so it is a lot. And so for these players, this is very important for these guys to know when to cut it off. I, I'm done. There's no more. I'm focused on the football game. If you're not my teammate, if you're not my coach, I do not want to talk to you right now. And so it's important for these guys to put things in their proper priorities, put everything into perspective, and get ready to put together a performance of a lifetime because this game is, you know, obviously is very important, and there's so many distractions. So you got to find ways to eliminate that noise and focus on the task at hand. How much do you, do you remember of Marshawn not talking for the second Super Bowl? <laughs> I, I was there. I was there. What was, what was the vibe he, uh, in the locker? You know, not the locker, but, you know, among the guys. I was never upset. I know there were some people in the media that were legitimately very upset about it. I thought it was sort of funny and all that. And I think Brock did as well. But what were you guys saying about all that? I, I loved it. I thought that that fit our personality as as a football team. You got the guys that love the media. You got the Sherms, you got the Russells, and then you got Marshawns. Like, I do not want to talk. I am not obligated to talk. I am just here so I don't get fined. And so that was far from a distraction. I thought it was funny. I thought it was hilarious. And, um, you know, watching Marshawn, it's funny, watching Marshawn then, watching him now, two completely different dudes, the guys, the media darling. But um, it definitely fit our personality as, as a football team. The idea that it was some, I, I had no issues with it at all, but I did find it funny. It was, yeah. Oh no, he's, he's just, it's a social anxiety thing. Like, no, <laughs> it's not that. No, you just don't want to do that. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I think it was probably more strategic than right. anything. To, yeah. To, you know, just set himself up for post football, but um, doesn't have any social anxiety. People think he's shy or timid. Clearly, that's not Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> we'll get we'll get to Gino. We'll get to the Seahawks offseason in just a second. We did have a question, though. came up in our need to know. With LeBron passing Kareem last night, we were wondering, is KJ a LeBron guy? Is KJ a MJ guy? Is KJ a Kobe guy? Who is – who? What, what, what eggs who's are you putting goat? in the basket? Yeah, who's your guy? I, I've never been a LeBron James guy. I've always been team Kobe Bryant since – the day I can remember sports, he's always been my guy, and it pissed me off. It pisses me off to this day when people say that LeBron is better than Kobe. But um, to witness what he did last night, 
coming in as an 18-year-old kid and putting together this 20-year career, just so consistent, just so dominant. He is one of the best. <laughs> I'm not going to say he is the best. He is one of the best to obviously ever do it. And um, if he gets another championship under his belt, I truly believe that we can safely say that LeBron James is the greatest of all time when it comes to basketball. But I'm Team Kobe all day to my last breath. That's going to forever be my guy. Team Kobe over Jordan? Team Kobe over my stars, my favorite player. MJ is the best to ever do it. Oh, okay. But Kobe is my favorite player. Yeah, I put it as far as the best to do it. I put it. Um, I put it. LeBron. I put it. Michael Jordan. LeBron. Kobe. But Kobe is my favorite guy. That's right. That understood. That's good. That's a good answer. Yeah. I like that. You see anybody yeah, else yeah. as big as you on those ski slopes? By the way, <laughs> like when you're coming down the blues, if <laughs> you yet no, run into somebody that's six five with, with your length arm, and Salk was saying you probably don't even use poles, right? Because your arms are so long. You know, I wasn't going to say that on the <laughs> air. Oh, that's I'm not sorry. nice. Oh, I mean, jeez. <laughs> oh, poles, poles are mandatory. I don't. I can't see myself skiing without poles. I figured your arms, you know, those long arms, you just touch the ground. <laughs> no, I'm poles. And my son actually asked me to grab him some poles today. So we both are with, with poles. I don't play around with that. All right, nice. good. Hey, how are you feeling about Gino? What, uh, what are we thinking? Are they going to get something done? Do you read much into his tweets or some of his comments that were a whole lot more positive at the Pro Bowl? What, what do you think is going on? Yeah, the, the, the question is, it's not if Gino's going to get signed. It's when would Gino Smith get signed? And I think the biggest question that the fan base is looking for is, what's that magic number going to be? What can John Snyder and Coach Carroll and Gino all agree to and i believe when you look at gino when you look at any player that's up for a contract it's a complete body of work right when we look at gino smith it's only been one season of phenomenal football and so i'm very interested to see will this will this be a type of contract to where you have a good base salary but hey gino we love you you did phenomenal for us but you know let's let's put a few incentives in here for you to re- reaffirm us, reassure us that you are the quarterback that we are paying. And so I believe the base salary would be, is going to be nice, but I believe Gino is looking at himself like, hey, I'm this good, this is a quarterback value. At least let me earn a certain amount of more money. Let me you know, get another Pro Bowl pass for 3,000 yards. And so I'm very interested to see what the details will be in the contract, but Gino Smith will get signed. We are, let's see, one, two, three, yeah, just about a little over three weeks away from that franchise tag, about three and a half. So between now and then, we know that uh, we know that Derek Carr is visiting New Orleans today. He was allowed to go down there and visit, reconnect with Dennis Allen, his former coach with the Raiders and everything else. Mm-hmm. So it would be kind of the first little QB domino in this market to fall. So we are three and a half weeks away from the franchise tag, March 5th of the Seahawks having to put that on if they cannot get a deal. Do you think then, as you said, it's not a matter of if and when, do you think that gets done uh, before that franchise tag of March 5th? Absolutely. And I, and I don't think that the Seahawks will franchise tag Geno. I do believe that they are going to come to a long-term deal. And so I still believe it's going to be around three years. And I do believe that they trust Geno. They love Geno. They respect him. But to franchise tag them, I cannot see them doing that. Have they ever? Who, who has ever been franchise tag under John Snyder and Coach Carroll? A couple guys. Uh, Frank Clark. Who? Frank Clark was franchised well, and then traded. Right? Mm-hmm. Franchised and then traded. Yep. And then other than that, it's just kickers. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they're not doing that. And, and uh, so yes, get them get them signed. You know, show them that you are the quarterback for the future. And but there would not be a franchise tag. You have all. a number there that works for you because that's part of this conversation, right? We had Lewis Riddick on earlier this week, and yeah, you know, I think I tend to agree with everything you say, and 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 I think it would be best case if they can find a deal. But ultimately, there is a bottom line. John Schneider told Wyman and Bob that a couple weeks ago. Ultimately, and you know this from negotiating with this team, KJ, and and here's our bottom line, and this is the number that's going to work. Is there a number that you start to feel comfortable with if you're the Seahawks, if you're Geno, that you think can work and actually be a win-win for both? Yep. Last last time I talked about Geno, I I was kind of disrespectful. <laughs> I was disrespectful <laughs> in the number that I said. I said twenty. I'm bumping it up to twenty five, <laughs> and with incentives, with incentives to get thirty, hmm. right? Twenty five. Did, did he let you? Did he let you know you were disrespectful? Yeah. How, he, what, who told he you say, you were being disrespectful? Hey, stop counting my pockets, KJ. Did you start no, to hear some blowback? No, he didn't say anything, but I was looking at other guys. I believe Jamal Adams is around 18, if I'm not mistaken, 17. Yeah. yeah. And so you can't, yeah, you can't pay your quarterback the same as your safety. You know, that's, that's a whole nother story. We'll, we'll get to that another time. <laughs> so, um, no, Gino, Gino did not say anything to me. I'm bumping that number up to 25 with incentive. Hey, perform well. Keep showing us that you're great. You've only done it for one year, Gino. I know what they're going to say in that meeting room. You know, you only done it for one year. We have other guys to pay. You know, we love you, want you here. And so I believe they got to find a number that's comfortable, comfortable for both of them. Hmm. Well, if they do that, how quickly can they get to a Super Bowl? Well, no, that's going to take some time. I mean, let's look at this roster, guys. We They have a lot of holes. They have a lot of holes on this football team. The interior offensive line scares me. The interior defensive line terrifies me. The linebacker unit is, they don't have linebackers. There's no linebackers on this football team. And so they have a lot, a lot of holes to add via free agency, via the draft. And so I believe we're like in another three years before we can be like really honest and transparent to say this is a Super Bowl caliber roster because right now they're very depleted in a lot of areas. Mm-hmm. And so they have a lot of work to do this offseason. Hey, remember you told us that story about how you were just missing it? You turned to your wife and said, gosh, I'm just I'm kind of a little bit blue. I'm kind of, kind of missing it. And she said, go. She kind of kicked you in the pants and said, go. Go in the facility. Go see your guys. Go see the Seahawks. Hey, man, if you're missing yeah. Salk and I on these Wednesdays, <laughs> right, and, and you wake up on some of these Wednesdays and you got the itch, I just want to let you know. Just, just, come like, on. just come on in. Like, you're welcome anytime, <laughs> KJ. Anytime at all. I, I mean – I mean with Kyle Brown today. Oh, we're going oh. to do a little chit chatting. Oh, yeah, news. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what Kyle has up his sleeve. Wow, that's breaking news here. That's on the a Brock long. That's a long sleeve. That you and him got about the longest sleeves in that building when you two meet. Yeah, so. and when they shake hands, do they even have to be in the same room? No, it's right outside <laughs> the office. Two guys really long, big <laughs> wings. Do you see this guy's wingspan from Ohio State, KJ? The center? Uh, he's a tackle, Dewan Jones. Woo. What is it, 89 uh, inches? Yeah, it's seven. It's the wingspan of a seven, four and a half inch <laughs> man. Seven feet, four and a half. <laughs> the longest in the man. history of the Senior Bowl and Combine, like 89 and a half. Nuts. Can he play football, though? 
Oh yeah, apparently he can. Yeah, actually, oh, yeah. He's, he's supposed to be pretty good. He's kind of a grown. He's a grown man. Yeah. He's he's one to keep an eye. We're good at tackles. I don't want to see any tackles get drafted. Let's draft yeah. them All guards right. and centers. All right, there we go. KJ, thank you. It's good to talk to you. Have fun skiing. I don't know why you want to come in here on Wednesdays. You just go out to the mountain, go skiing, do a little apre afterwards. You do you get into the um, do you get into the like out the skiing outfits? Oh, you, you best believe I have my goggles. I got my ski pants, yeah. my, my ski boots, all that stuff. What color yeah, but you got, what color but you got style. You like, do you have style? Do you, are you, who was that old French skier, Salt, back in the day when all the golds? I don't uh, know. I mean, I'm the Italian guy, Alberto Tomba. Uh, there you go. That's Tomba La Bomba? <laughs> yeah. I, I need to get an all white. My next goal is to get an all yes. white um, ski suit. Yes. yes, that's my yes. next goal. I am so with you on that, man. That that's how that's how you do it. That'd with a bedazzled good. fifty-one on the back. <laughs> fifty-one? Would you stop with the wrong number? What's wrong with you? Fifty. Sheesh, that's not right. KJ, hey, thanks. KJ. Have, me on, have me on next week when the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. You guys that I was right. Well, I'll game. tell you what. If the Chiefs win, you don't have to come on. If Philly wins, <laughs> you are booked for oh. this time next Wednesday. Wow. Deal? <laughs> That's a deal. <laughs> deal. All right. See you, buddy. Thanks, KJ. We appreciate it. Thanks. There's there's KJ right. And Brock just essentially, you know, backing him into a corner there. Brock only wants him on if he's wrong. Yeah. What's up with that? Why he's not nicer to KJ? I know KJ. You know, out of goodness of his heart, comes on with us here. He's not getting paid anymore to do that. He just, you know, was nice enough to. In the middle of a ski trip, he takes time. Seriously, I wouldn't take time in the middle of my ski trip to come on with Brock or me. It's ridiculous, (laughs) and that's how Brock treats him. We know that. Hey, man, when I'm out, I'm out. I got, I got stuff to do. I'm busy. I want to turn my phone off. I don't want to hear from anybody. Sounds like he's actually skiing. You're more, you know, apres skiing. Well, I do the skiing first. I told you what happened the last time I went skiing was a year ago, right? Almost exactly. I went skiing up in Whistler, and I, I almost died. That was the end. I haven't been back since. I <laughs> uh, don't know if I remember this. Story. Oh, I didn't tell you this story? Yeah, this is about a year ago. So I started skiing only a few years ago, right? I didn't ski as a kid, so I started maybe, I don't know, four or five years ago, six years ago. And uh, I can handle greens, obviously. And then I can, you know, the, the good blue or whatever. Like, I'm usually okay. And so Heather and I got up there. We had a whole plan. And we're going to, you know, we're going to go up Blackcomb. We're going to ski to here. And it's going to bring us to Whistler Village. And the back up. We had this whole plan. And it was a little icy. And so we get, like, halfway down Blackcomb. Don't tell me you took your skis off and walked down. Well, we get to this point where I'm like. He climbed down. He told us this story. Oh, I do. Look, we got to get over okay. there. <laughs> She's like, I don't see how we're going to get down this too steep. And I was like, well, we've got to get there. So let's try. Like, okay. And I, of course, just completely ate it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like rolling skis everywhere. I was like, oh, that stunk. All right. But I still had to get like the same distance down. I was now terrified. So, yeah, I took off my skis and got on my butt and started sliding down, which was the wrong idea, yep. as I quickly learned, because I'm now hurtling yep. down a mountain, turned backwards, so I'm 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 going feet first on my stomach. If that makes any sense, if you can imagine me, one ski goes flying. Thankfully, I had control of the other ski because I was able to grab it in both hands and use it as a brake to stop myself from flinging off the side of the stupid mountain. Was Heather struggling this bad? Too, Heather decided you? to walk down like sideways, if that makes sense, Side which turn, turned out to be better. But I was struggling doing Please that. Please tell me there were like just kids skiing by you while oh, you were doing Of course, some like 13 year old kid skis by is like, here you go, sir. I think you dropped your ski, old man. I'm like, great. Thank you. 
But at that point, I was uh, low enough on the mountain that I was able to make it to safety. The point of my story is that as I was up there, all I was thinking was, if I end up getting hurt and missing golf season because of the stupid skiing, I'm going to be mad. Were you so. inside? Could anybody from a, ch- uh, a chair see you? Oh, I'm sure plenty of people could see us. Yeah. watching you slide down. I'm sure plenty of people saw the embarrassment that was me sliding down this mountain on my stomach. And you know what? If it had been powdery, I think I could have done it. No problem. I've been okay. But it was super icy. Sure. So, like, the moment you started going down, you get that, like, go yeah. oh, your yeah. skis. Dude, skiing stinks. <laughs> I, like, I kind of enjoy, like, I've tried to get into it because I want to fit in and it's something no. to do in the winter. I love it. Right? And so I was like, all right, I never did it as a kid. I don't particularly like the cold, but I'll give it a shot, right? Because I like, you know, the jackets and the and the <laughs> totally. apparel. So I'm like, all right, I'll try it. And it's 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 kind of fun. It's not as fun as people tell you it That's is. That's what I did with snowboarding. Uh, I, well, I tried it twice the entire time I lived in Colorado, but my embarrassing moment was always getting off the lift. Yeah, I that's not hard on a snowboard. I think that's too. especially hard on a snowboard. Yeah, yeah, definitely it's, understand uh, that. Well, it was for me. <laughs> <sighs> well, I'm sure KJ is better at it than uh, than I am. Justin, I'm sure you grew up like hurtling off of ski jumps. I even I did. We had a, all we had, of that. We had a, so. a ski hill in Libby called uh, Turner Mountain, and it used to be one of the longest T bars in the world when I was a kid. Right. And so there's one lift operator. It was all volunteer run. Of course, there was no radio to let someone know when you fell off the lift. So if you fell off the T bar just wrong and it hooked your jacket, it would pull you up until someone could get the attention oh of an gosh. operator. <laughs> You'd be being dragged. <laughs> But yeah, burn your legs out. You just ski uphill and downhill, basically. On <sighs> Man, that just sounds awful. All that right, a great place. All right, we got a whole show in front of us. Jerry Depoto is going to be with us at eight thirty. Um, I want to react to what KJ said there about uh, about uh, Geno Smith. It does not fit necessarily with what we heard from Dave Wyman yesterday. So we'll be digging into that at eight o'clock this morning, about an hour from now. Up next, though, uh, it is the story of the day. I got to tell you, of all the things I've ever written and tweeted out, I've never seen a higher percentage of clicks than this. People seem to be very interested in what has happened with Russell Wilson. It is a uh, bit of a bombshell report on his charitable foundations, and it's not a good look for Mr. Wilson. We'll dig into it next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com.